With the holidays just about upon us, people's minds aren't just on buying gifts. They're also thinking about charitable giving. And that's especially true this year. Absolutely. Folks are feeling extremely strained right now. That's Nation Chung. He's the Vice President of Community Opportunities and Mobilization at the United Way of Greater Toronto. He's one of our guests today. Folks who have resources continue to give. Some are giving more. And you see folks who would normally give around $1,000, that is declining. And I think that's primarily because folks are feeling incredibly uncertain about the future. And it's not just economic conditions that are changing the face of philanthropy. Technology has transformed all of our lives. The phone in our pockets transformed the way we interact with the world around us. And that's true for charities as well. That's Malcolm Burroughs, head of philanthropic advisory services at Scotia Global Wealth Management. Donating may be only a click away these days, but getting people out is harder than ever. We get a lot of support and energy from each other as a community being together, and that's not replaced through a phone. Malcolm and Nation are here today to help make sense of all these challenges and opportunities and break down the state of giving as they see it. They'll help us understand why there is such a great need, tell us about trends and technology, and even share some advice on how to give effectively this holiday season. I'm Stephen Maurice, and this is Perspectives. Nation, Malcolm, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. All right. Nation, I'm going to start with you. Can you give us sort of a bird's eye view of the giving landscape in Canada? What do things look like right now? Generally, people have more avenues to give and there's a broad spectrum of need out there. We're seeing folks with more resources giving more, (laughs) but folks who have been impacted by the pandemic and certainly the increased cost of living are giving less it's tougher for those folks. And so that in our business puts an incredible strain on community services and their needs because the need's increasing, Mm -hmm. but the donations, the funds needed to keep the services going are decreasing. It's becoming harder to provide the necessary resources for the increased demand. Yeah, a lot of different factors at play now. I was gonna ask you about sort of during the pandemic period, Did the need increase or there was lots of government money floating around? So I don't know if the need decreased during that time, but were people stepping up from a giving perspective? Well, you imagine during the pandemic, the broad spectrum of need. And so everybody was looking for additional support. Of course, the government stepped in and United Way created a local love emergency fund to which we raised about $2 million that went immediately to additional services. Mm -hmm. We saw folks coming from different parts of communities who were just organizing themselves around cultural identities or other specific community identities who are saying these services are not getting to the elderly in the South Asian community. They're not getting to young people in the East Asian community. We're seeing seniors in the LGBTQ2S community with increased isolation and not having a sense of confidence in the information we're getting. So there was a real need to get additional resources out on the ground. And we saw folks step up when we put together that local love emergency fund and it went to technological adaptations for community services food baskets. We worked with the indigenous community to create food baskets specifically for the growing indigenous population here in the GTA, and then other cultural specific food needs. We saw that as some of the highest demands during the time of the pandemic. And just as the pandemic starts to end, then we see inflation and interest rates and all these other factors. So I'll come back to you on that in a moment. I just want to bring Malcolm in now. Malcolm, 
First, maybe I'll get you to explain. You're the head of philanthropic advisory services at Scotiabank. Can you explain what that means? So I'm in Scotia Wealth Management, right. but I'm a lifelong charity guy. So I grew up working in the charitable sector. Mm -hmm. I've been actively involved fundraising, a volunteer, and I've done a lot of work as well on public policy work. And uh, my role at Scotia Wealth Management as head is we run foundations and we provide support to our clients on their philanthropy. So it's helping with the planning for giving. We run a large foundation called Aqueduct Foundation, founded back in 2006. It's now the 13th largest foundation in the country by mm -hmm. assets and one of the top 10 grantors. So we granted last year over $100 million. Wow. And that's all of our clients out into the community across the country. So it's been an extraordinary experience. And what's been your observation over the course of the pandemic? Did people, again, using the same words, did people step up? Were people giving more because they saw the need in the communities? Or did they step back because they were concerned about their own financial situations? What did you see? It's interesting. At the front of the pandemic, we saw an increase in giving. Partly, you know, they were staying at home. All of a sudden, they saw this community need. They saw a global need and they responded. And they also had the good fortune of, in some cases, a little bit more discretionary income. Three years later, what we're seeing is a precipitous decline in the number of donors, hmm. regular, ordinary donors, and certainly inflation's biting, and it's increasing inequity in society. And so how do we get there? And I'm talking to organizations across the charitable sector, because we were very, very worried about sort of the health of charities and the health of the communities mm -hmm. they supported, with good reason, three years ago. Fast forward, it's almost like the government funding has dried up. They're also seeing a decline in the number of ordinary donors. So there's a real sense of urgency. And around things like just one piece, food security, a lot of food banks have seen a doubling of the number of clients from the beginning of the pandemic where we thought that there'd be a big need to now. And it's these other factors that are hitting people in the community. So. Right. You must be seeing that firsthand, Nation, the, the increased need, I guess, to do directly as a result of economic circumstances. Absolutely. I'll give you a few data points. 40% increase in needs of services during the pandemic peak. Just more people showing up at the food bank, increasing housing and food insecurity. In Ontario, emergency departments, visits and hospital admissions for self-harm increased by 29%. Mm. In Toronto, the average one-bedroom condo apartment rent went from 2,532 in 2023, an 11.6% increase compared to 2022. So folks are feeling extremely strained right now. So that's just the need. In the sector itself, we're seeing at the end of the two-year period of the pandemic, a lot of burnout, particularly for folks who are in the housing sector and dealing simultaneously with an increase in need for housing. Mm -hmm. You had another pandemic with folks who were overdosing in parks, and so they're really strained. Now we're seeing a real drop in the workforce in the community services and a real need for refreshing that workforce within community services. Because of burnout, people are leaving? Absolutely. And then the final thing that I think is really important to mention is the real estate market is making it super challenging for community services to keep up. Folks cannot keep up with the rent. Or we are now seeing owners who can sell a property 
at top dollar mm -hmm. and organizations that have built this foundation that so many people depend on senior services, youth services, employment services, mental health support services no longer have a home. And that's a real concern that's growing in the community services sector is where will people be able to house these services in a tough real estate market where you can get top dollar for a community space. And we're seeing some of that challenge with the hubs that we've built. And what has been the progression over that time in your fundraising? Was there that initial bump that Malcolm talked about also in sort of the early in the pandemic? And then people maybe are being squeezed, obviously, in their own finances or giving less. What has been the progression for United Way over the course of the last year? Are you struggling to raise the amount of money you need? Yeah, there's a lot of demand out there for yeah. folks. And there are many ways in which folks can give now where United Way and a few organizations had the space to go and talk about the needs in community. You have third-party platforms now, which folks have multiple options that they can go on and decide where they want to give. Mm -hmm. You've got your phone, and then there's a plethora of apps that allow you to give where you want to give. And so right. I think that what we're noticing is that the general trend around giving still seems to be emotional, connected to issues that are close to home. But there are folks who are more data-centered and are thinking of like, what is happening out there in the sector and are looking mm -hmm. for organizations like United Way that do the research and help to present the picture of what's happening in terms of housing insecurity, food insecurity, mental health issues, what that need is broadly across the GTA so that they're more strategic in their investments. So I would say that we are seeing, as I said at the top, folks who have resources continue to give. Some are giving more. And you see folks who would normally give around $1,000, that is declining. I think that's primarily because folks are feeling incredibly strained and uncertain about the future. And so those two factors are significant contributing factors to the shift in the philanthropic environment. Right. So on, on one hand, sort of as a positive, the different ways people can give, you talked about whether through third-party platforms or just on their phones, is a good thing. Maybe. Does it also mean sort of more competition for the charitable dollar? I mean, how do you make yourself stand out when there's so many needs out there and so many people asking for help? I think for us, it's centering on impact, just being really clear what change we are focused on. Mm -hmm. Our organization mission and mandate is centered on poverty and poverty elimination, right. period. If that resonates with you, this is the organization that you can come to for trustworthy research, data on what those issues are, who they're impacting, where they're impacting, so a geographic lens as well as a population lens. You can get that information online in United Way's research. Not only do we do research and knowledge mobilization, but we raise money to invest in those issues across a network of almost 300 community agencies that span Peel, York, and Toronto. Can I jump in? Yes. Because from a personal perspective, often people will come to me and say, well, you know, you're a philanthropy professional. Tell us about, you know, what's the one charity? And they often have in mind sort of some community-based charity. And they'll, you know, sometimes ask me about the United Way. And my wife and I were huge United Way supporters consistently, always unrestricted, because the more we've ended up knowing about community need, the breadth, the depth of it, knowing the folks at United Way, we have faith that they're going to get there. They're going to connect. And I'm often humbled about, sure, I have professional knowledge, but I don't have the depth of knowledge, mm -hmm. the depth of connection. 
and this breadth that the United Way Network has. And Toronto has been a huge standout, but across the country, this is true as well. As we see a shift to sort of, sure, there's technology, sure, there's options, but do you actually have this community-based platform, this mobilization, this connection, this analysis? That's why we've ended up supporting United Way, and even though it isn't sort of narrow and specific, but it is in terms of that broader focus on poverty and the community mobilized. Given your role and your experience, you would also, I guess, have seen how giving has evolved and how it has been forced to change, I guess, by technology, but also by the pandemic. What evolution have you seen in terms of how people give and how organizations raise money? How has that changed? It's been massive, just the same way that technology has transformed all of our lives. The phone in our pockets have transformed mm -hmm. the, uh, the way we interact with the world around us. And that's true for charities as well. And uh, the pandemic was particularly catastrophic because of those loss of in-person events. And for a lot of charities that were dependent, perhaps overly dependent on them, mm -hmm. it was very significant. But you also saw building block organizations that ended up losing that in person community. We get a lot of support and energy from each other as a community being together, and that's not replaced through a phone. You need that in person. It's a voluntary sector as well. So how do you actually create these bonds, animate it, and out of that money comes as well? Looking at platforms that are really just payment oriented, it doesn't replace that human connection. And frankly, with a lot of charities, it's been a challenge trying to make sure that they're up to speed technologically. Yeah. United Way has been great there. There's wonderful organizations like Canada Helps that have been, again, backbone in terms of helping smaller charities get out there and connect. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's no replacement for on the ground, community-based volunteer. We've still lost a bit of that, I think, and we're working to regain. You would see that firsthand, Nation. Have you lost a lot of volunteers? Is it tougher to get people out now? Absolutely. Understandably, the fears as a result of the global pandemic made folks necessarily cautious about getting out in community, but we still saw folks, but there was a significant drop. I think it had an impact on the volunteer centers that are struggling right now to redefine and recalibrate and see how they can be relevant to volunteers. That said, we still have folks who are very interested in applying their time bringing the professional skills to the needs in community and supporting organizations to adapt to the new 21st century digital age. As an example, we still have folks who are still interested in applying their professional skills to volunteering. But generally speaking, there has been a drop in volunteering. So there is a real need for a refresh in volunteer supports and helping folks to feel that sense of connection that Malcolm talked about and sense of purpose in terms of giving their time. Malcolm, do big companies have a role to play in trying to generate the human power that organizations like United Way need? Absolutely. And I think it starts with a value set and awareness internally. I mean, employee giving is essential. The investment that we've seen within Scotia, with Spark, you get rewarded for your volunteer hours in the community. It turns into dollars that you can then donate back to great organizations. But it's awareness, it's mobilization. But fundamentally, I think it's a question of mindset. Are we a company? 
company that exists separate from the community or are we made up of people that are in the community? And I think that that's constantly being reinforced. That to me is essential because for a lot of people, the issue is they want to do it. What we've seen with the pandemic is a bit of a break. How do I do it? How do I connect? Yes. And where are these opportunities? Because yes. I think the altruism's always there. What we have a breakdown is the mechanics and these connections. I'm worried about that, but we need to keep working at getting over that hump. We're coming up on the holiday season. Any thoughts or advice for people who maybe want to give either their money or their time, but as you say, it can be kind of overwhelming. Any words of advice? So I'm a giving professional. I can tell you all about the different tax ways of giving and things like that. But I think the most important thing to do is just give. So for years, I've supported the United Way. Every paycheck, something goes off. And I'll tell you, my professional brain says that's not actually the most tax effective way of giving, but it's not about tax and tax alone by any means. It's about building it into your life. We did it so we could stretch more, we could afford more, we could give and it became automatic. So we also do this a lot with other charities is that rather than wait to the end of the year, we set it up so it's monthly mm -hmm. and it becomes part of our budgeting. And the relationship's not about the charity asking us for money. It's a charity talking about their impact, about their community, and it shifts the conversation. So I'm a huge believer in that regular monthly giving. And you total it up at the end of the year as opposed to your scrambling in November or December. It's so much more affordable. And that really helped me in my life with my wife and family to give more. Nation. Likewise, every year I plug in my contribution to United Way in addition to other charities that I give to. I think my message to folks is give what you can. The need is incredible. Don't ever underestimate the value of your gift, no matter what the size. The need out there is incredible. We see it in the news headlines. We certainly see it on a day-to-day -day basis at United Way. Our partners on the ground are dealing with it on a day-to-day -day basis. The method that Malcolm talks about for me works really well. I don't have to think about it afterwards and I budget accordingly because I know this is what I'm working with. Right. My last message is that in this time right now where we are seeing increase, not just need, but desperation, we are seeing increased mental health issues. We've yet to see the fallout of the pandemic, my opinion, and I think the opinions of some other professionals. So not just out of generosity, but know that our communities are in real strain right now and every little bit matters. We shouldn't overlook volunteering either. People giving up their time, getting involved with all sorts of different organizations, direct service volunteers in individual organizations, mentoring and supporting board level work. And that's certainly true at Scotiabank. I see colleagues coming together and forming groups and getting out there and working with organizations. But as Nation was saying, this is an immense need and we've seen if anything thing, a shrinking of volunteer pools post-pandemic. And so recent initiatives focusing on volunteering in September, helping tracking volunteering hours, connecting is absolutely essential. And this is something that people need to be conscious about, but we continue to need to provide that support because community organizations can't do it without volunteers as well. So one last question for the two of you. In your work, you both get, I assume, the personal satisfaction of seeing people give and being able to help and so on, but you also see 
the need and, you know, as you said, in some cases, the desperation that exists out there. So what motivates you on a day-to-day basis? Hopefully you're seeing enough of the good that it inspires you to keep doing the work that you do. I'm very struck and profoundly moved by this notion of arrival, which is about access and involvement in the community. We're a city of immigrants. And one of the things that makes a successful community is, is this place you belong? Do you have real profound opportunity here? And that deep-rooted equity to me is essential and important. And it's sort of an indicator between a society that I want to live in and a society that could just be in a tower. But I don't want to be in a tower. I want to be in a community and I want a community that people have that equal access. Right. And how about you, Nation? I have the great privilege to work with almost 200 colleagues that show up every day who are dedicated to this, who are committed every morning to getting it right. I have work with an incredible research team. I work with an incredible GR team, strategic initiatives, community investments, community investment managers, and their heart is in the work. So that's the starting point for me of what gives me energy. I know my own life journey, having come to this country at the age of seven, having had the privilege of family sponsor us to come over, being in the position I am right now is more luck than anything else. And I think that's because people saw potential and opened doors. And for me, that's the profound reason for making sure that I give back. It's just a recognition that I wouldn't be where I am today if folks had not provided an opportunity for me and opened doors for me. And we've lost family. We've lost family as a result of mental health issues. So it's close to home. And that's why I get up every day and I'm committed to this work. Nation, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I've been speaking with Nation Chung, Vice President of Community Opportunities and Mobilization at the United Way of Greater Toronto, and Malcolm Burroughs, Head of Philanthropic Advisory Services at Scotia Global Wealth Management. The Perspectives podcast is made by me, Stephen Maurice, as well as Armina Lagaya and our producer, Andrew Norton. For a transcript of this episode, visit our website, scotiabank.com slash perspectives. We'll see you next time.